Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Time for our annual fight. It's nice we have something else we can all fight about now. I am tired of fighting about COVID mandates and vaccines. Let's now fight again, once again, the fight that never ends over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. See people already on Facebook. This is ridiculous. That's not rock. That's not rock. Like, you can't look at it that way anymore. You cannot just say, well, because it's not blues-based rock, they shouldn't be in. The music's got a lot of colors, a lot of different things. I think you got to really look at it on influence and record sales. Really, I think that's probably the most important. And and maybe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame made a mistake in calling it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe it just needs to be the Music Hall of Fame. It's like when we first called climate change global warming. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, it's, I'm freezing. That's right. Can't be. Look at it. It's so cold outside. That's right. Uh, so first-time nominees, Carly Simon, Dolly Parton, Duran Duran, back Lionel Richie, A Tribe Called Quest, and Eminem. Right there, a very interesting list of artists that many people would say, well, none of them are rock. But again, record sales and I believe influence. And Dolly Parton, certainly when it comes to record sales, and just as a singer-songwriter, deserves to be in, in the hall. I mean, just for writing the Whitney Houston tune. Yeah, I Will Always Love You, from that uh, yeah. Bodyguard soundtrack. Yep. Uh, what, number one selling soundtrack, I think, of yeah, all time? Yeah, of all time, yeah. Carly um, Simon, a, another one. More of a singer-songwriter. I don't know uh, if she deserves necessarily, but again, not because she's not rock and roll, just that she had a few hits, but I don't even know. Oh, yeah, I guess she, she did. David I mean, Geffen, when, um, Songwriters Hall of Fame, she's already in. She must be in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I guess she did write. Uh, but again, not many hits. I, I don't know. Duran Duran, again, questionable for me. Beck, certainly questionable. I mean, he had the one hit and loser. That's the one. I mean, I know he had some other hits, but I think he's most well-known for that. Although Definitely so. He could be a scene, I guess, as perhaps an influencer, perhaps. Right. I don't uh, know. I, I think Duran Duran belongs in that conversation, too, for that. Yeah. It's kind of a, a mix between new wave and rock and certainly mm. pop. They were, they, yeah. were, they had a, a good, a very good run, a huge following. I yep. don't know if it's just because, you know, uh, you know teenage girls like Simon Le Bon at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lionel Richie, uh, how can you say no? Guy wrote a gazillion hits. Eminem's interesting. is the only artist on the list in his first year of eligibility. And I'd, I'd put him in, along with a Tribe Called Quest. Again, not many hits, not a lot of people, but very influential in rock, rap, right. know, that whole area. Uh, other nominees, Kate Bush, Devo, Judas Priest, MC5, The New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine, Pat Benatar, Eurythmics, Dion, Warwick, and someone named Fela Kuti. I, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea who Fela Kuti right. is. Maybe they're going in as a inspiration as well. But or Imagine the screaming you're going to hear if like Eminem and Dolly Parton get in and Judas Priest doesn't. Oh, yeah. No, right. I know. I know. Yeah, we, we got to get past that. Kate Bush is a great example of somebody who was unbelievably talented but didn't have a ton of hits. Devo, influential, and Whip It. You know, that was their big right, hit. Whip, yes. it, whip It, good. MC5, New York Dolls, all part of that uh, early punk movement. You wouldn't have the Sex Pistols or the Ramones if it weren't for them. And, and what about Rage? Now, they would have been uh, a big band for you. Yeah, I was in my teenage angst years when that was happening in the mid-90s. And and I think if they had stuck around, mm-hmm. like stayed as a band a little bit longer, perhaps, uh, you know, Boy, it would be hear- great to hear what they could do now right? mm. <laughs> through these, uh, you know, political time songs with you know really political, mot- politically motivated lyrics would have been very interesting. I think Tom Morello deserves uh, some credit in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just because of what he went on yep. to do with Audio Slave and more. But I, I think 
you know, whether or not Rage Against the Machine is a band that deserves Rock and Roll Hall of Fame honor, I don't think so. Uh, not Pat, yet. Pat Benatar. If, I mean, if you're going to put Pat Benatar in, or if you're going to put the Go-Go's in, or Belinda Carlisle, or any of them, then obviously Pat Benatar. Joan Jett's in, so why not Pat Benatar? Eurythmics? Well, I don't know. Annie Lennox certainly, I think, became a bigger name than the band that she was in, although they did have a, a good run of hits in the 80s. Dionne Warwick. Yeah, if you're going to put Carly Simon in. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, it seems to me, and again, I don't know how many hits Dionne Warwick had. They had a few along the way. Uh, it's interesting. Some artists uh, who are eligible, because you have to have been either your first album or your first single released in 1996 or earlier. So Fiona Apple, Matchbox 20, Slipknot, and Nickelback uh, didn't make it in. I don't think Nickelback's ever making it in. <laughs> they never, nobody cares. Everybody hates them. It's so strange, but it is what it is. It's so sad that it become the brunt of all jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad's just like, don't even bother. Don't, well, don't even bother. Are you looking for a new gig? Would you like to be the head honcho and executive, the boss at CNN? That job's open. It's available. <laughs> Send your resume. Yeah, that's right. Um, High school diploma required. That's right. I worked at my community radio station. I'd like to be the boss at CNN. Jeff Zucker resigned yesterday, and he was the boss. And he resigned because he was having a relationship with a colleague and didn't disclose it. He's been asked to step down by Warner Media. Mm-hmm. Now, the colleague in question is a, a woman who is the CNN's executive VP and chief marketing officer. She will remain with the company. They've been close for decades, and their friendship, it is said, has been the source of rumors. But both of them claim it evolved into a romantic relationship recently. Um, they both have acknowledged that they were wrong to have not disclosed this so-called uh, information when it happened or this evolution of their relationship. Now, Zucker was married, divorced, divorced in 2019, and uh, his, uh, this, uh, this woman, Alison Goulst, uh, is also divorced. So it was a consensual relationship. She was up the corporate ladder, not as high as him, but pretty high up there. It wasn't I think like- he brought her in. I think he hired her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, her history was with uh, Andrew Cuomo. Yes, at one point she was uh, in his communications yeah. department too, which, which you know, is interesting in in the way that this all kind of plays out because of the way he he I guess I want to say he quit, mm. but he was basically being forced out, shown the door, yeah. um, and, and so you know, there's two sides to this. I, I think there's a legal side to it. And there's an optics side to it, right? Uh, as well that CNN has one. It sounds like. They had a policy corporately that, you know, for executives to have relationships within the company, they had to declare it. Mm, okay. Um, and uh, and this wasn't done, or at least, you know, didn't wasn't done initially, and uh, it was a little too little too late when they finally admitted to it. Yeah, I guess they're trying to say, to cover their tracks, perhaps, that we were friends forever. This just kind of got going, right. so we didn't have chance to even announce it because we didn't know what it was. Right. You know. Sure. That that's their story, but he yeah he has stepped down and but the optics of it too you know he let Chris Cuomo go mm. because of you know not uh, properly disclosing what he was doing to help his brother kind of right. behind the scenes and you know if there's a connection to Andrew Cuomo in there as well and just you know it, I think the last thing CNN needs is to add fuel to any flames that. Uh, other channels may have mm-hmm. yeah. to go at them with. Yeah, it, it's, it brings up an interesting question, though, about office relationships and work relationships. I know nothing about them. I won't want to. 
Hostage. Speak on every now. Mo- this is the most incestuous place I've ever worked at. <laughs> in radio, no, that's not a chance. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. This is this is different. This place, anyhow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I met Maria at work. I, it was like, but it was it wasn't a, obviously a career job. She was a cashier, and I was a car jockey, right. uh, and we were young. I don't think I don't. I'm not sure about upper management dating. Upper management. I think you've always got to be very careful when upper management is dating employees down the line. Right. But if you're seen as kind of equals within the company, yeah. But they weren't though. I mean, he was the no, head not, I'm guy. Just, I'm just speaking in general. Right. I mean, I, just in general, I, I'm intrigued by the idea that a company needs to know about your personal information. Like again, they're big shots in the corporation and if the board says we got to know everything that's going on in your life, yeah. then okay, I get it. But I've always found it interesting because there are companies that do have a no dating policy throughout. Yes, yeah. And and I find that interesting that that you can even implement that because you'd think you're you're delving into people's personal lives and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah, but I guess if it does influence business, I mean, you know, yes, there's a, a management role in in any uh, environment mm. where you know how are they giving if if any favoritism could be shown mm-hmm. uh, throughout that then it, it becomes very interesting oh yeah you you will ruffle a lot of feathers in any business if inter- the boss is dating someone below him well, what's or her. interesting though is that you'll you'll hear a lot of policies about this that you're not allowed to date uh, people from in your own environment mm. but there's not a lot of nepotism policies right in companies right saying hey you can't hire your kids right here which would really have that same effect, if not more so, for some, right? Especially if you're bringing in a kid who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Right. Right? Or she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. You know, it was interesting, like, when Doug Elliott and I started dating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got my feathers ruffled. (laughs) You got upset. But we really had to keep it from Lee Ackley, because he really gets jealous. Are you excited for the Olympics when they get going tomorrow? Well, they actually get going very early in the morning, like 6.30 Eastern. But then, of course, uh, the openings will uh, re-roll and re-air in prime time tomorrow night. So you don't have to be up bright and early to sit there unless you're just uh, an Olympics fanatic. Yeah, some events have it. already started. I think this the uh, curling or the women's uh, hockey, I think, has already begun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, some interesting facts about the games. The estimated budget of the Beijing Winter Olympics is $3.9 billion, which is a lot of dough, but way less than the record-setting 14, 2014 Winter Games in Sochi, which cost an estimated $50 billion. The projected ad revenue will be about $600 million. That's down from 2018 uh, and the Winter Games in South Korea. It's tough, though, because ad revenue is really all they have. There's no tickets. Right. To any yeah. of this. The yeah. Events are all empty. Uh, it's crazy. And they had to truck in. Well, they, had, they had to not even truck in. They had to make snow. Oh, really? Because the mountains where they're doing all the ski and snowboard events, yeah. uh, there's no snow on mm. those mountains. So it, it, I think it's the first time they're doing Olympics with completely man-made snow. Climate change. It's not real. Right. No. Well, we could have just shipped our, we could have sold our snow. That's <laughs> It's been 14 years since China has hosted the Olympics. The 2008 Summer Olympics were also in Beijing. And by the way, Beijing is now the first city to host both a Summer and Winter Olympics. Okay. Yeah, they're still using like that Bird's Nest Stadium will be the main stadium for yep. it, too. Yeah, that's right. Five of the venues are being reused from the 08 Summer Games. The Games will be to take, a place, take place across 25 different venues, two different cities. Now, this is interesting, and I have no idea how the hell to say this name. Zhang... Jiku, perhaps, is sure. the name of the other city. 
It's more than three hours away from Beijing by car, but it's just a 47-minute ride on the Inner City Railway, which is the world's first driverless high-speed railway. That's awesome. How cool is that? <laughs> As you're stepping onto the go. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes you an hour to get across the East End. These things are just flying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, listen, what's three hours from... From Toronto, it's it's past Windsor. Kingston, like Brockville, yeah. like Windsor, yeah. yeah, be there in forty five minutes. They've talked about it for a long time, right? They've they've talked about the idea of doing some kind of high speed rail, and we just we just can't pull it together in North America. There's just too many hands in the pot, too many people involved, too many decisions to to be made, too many uh, codes to uh, live up to. We we never get it. We get spend a ton of money. We do a bunch of research on things, and we never do. Anything. Meanwhile, in Europe and China and Asia, they just go, all right, high-speed rail, let's do that tomorrow. Right. Um, what else is going on with the Olympics? Uh, 2,900 athletes are expected to attend the 2022 Games, and 45.4% uh, of them are women. It makes it the most gender-balanced Olympics Games in history. Oh, cool. 91 countries will participate in a record 109 events across 15 sports. Seven new events, the Women's Monobob which is a solo bobsledding event. Oh. Big air skiing. That sounds intriguing. Right. It's a big jumping. I like that stuff. Mixed team snowboard cross. Mixed team aerials in freestyle skiing. Mixed team relay in short track speed skating. And mixed team ski jumping. All been added. Okay. Yeah. They're not, just so you know, they're not jumping together. No. <laughs> like two people on one set of skis. Yeah, no, no. No, no, yeah, no. No, I will listen. It won't matter to me because I'll watch the opening and the closing and won't watch one second of the games. Um, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people focusing on the men's hockey, but it won't have NHL players uh, or current NHL players. Right. Team Canada will be captained by Eric Stahl. Uh, been there before when he was with the NHL, mm -hmm. but not now. Um, but China has a team. Oh, yeah? And, uh, you know, although... Uh, 11 of their 25-player roster are Canadians. Hmm. Like, there are more Canadians than actual Chinese players on the team, but they'll be uh, led by some Canadian former professional hockey players as well. They're, they're trying to, you know, at least to have some sort of showing. You don't want to go in there and get completely blown out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess you your place. You'll be wrapped up in watching the hockey. I know that Maria will... Uh, spent a lot of her time sitting and watching the figure skating and all of that. You know what? I, I, I'm I'm a fan of the Olympics and all Olympic sports, but the way that this is going to run, because of where it is, we're going to see things. If you're going, I'm not going to be watching anything live. It's going to be happening at like right. one or two in the morning, uh, and so basically, you're going to get little snippets and wrap ups mm. of what's happening. So I don't think I if I if I catch a complete game, I'd be surprised. One of the uh, biggest arguments couples have outside of money-related issues is food-related arguments throughout the week. We argue uh, mostly about uh, the fact that one of our partners doesn't like to cook as often as they should. Um, almost half of all couples say they always argue about where to go out to eat if they decide they're going to go out and dine. Oh, okay. Maybe this pandemic saved a lot of marriages because wow. you yeah. haven't had this fight. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> You've got other fights that have cropped up probably being stuck together as much as you have. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But uh, food-related, it seems. It's always funny, that conversation, and it's been mentioned in the past. Uh, many people have talked about it, that thing of... Uh, 
when your wife, and it's normally kind of, it seems to be a, a female thing where she'll say, I'm really hungry, but I don't know what I want. Okay, you're really hungry. Let's go get uh, fries and chicken. I don't feel like that. Right. <laughs> okay, let's go get fish and chips. I don't feel like that. Let's have Thai. Mm-hmm. Pizza? Eh, but I'm really hungry. Wasn't that kind of the concept, too, of the, these like like ghost kitchens that were popping up that you could order on one order from like six or seven different restaurants? I don't know. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I haven't heard about ghost, these. Ghost kitchens? No. Yeah. It, it's like kind of a, I think there's one in like Ajax or something like that. that they, they And they've they tried to crop these up a bit. All right. Where basically out of one kitchen, you, there's seven or eight different restaurants okay. that are all combined. They, they process stuff from all of those all right. in one spot. Huh. So that way, you know, when you get that, hey, I want to... Something from Dairy Queen, uh, uh, Wendy's, and something from Starbucks. Then it's like, boom, one order. It's all to oh, you. So if a whole f- somebody wants Lone Star, somebody wants Burger King, somebody wants Pizza Hut, everybody, you, is yeah, that how you yeah. do it? Or you just get what they send you? So, no, no. It, it's somewhat like that. They, whatever restaurants they have tied right, sure. to them, right, right obviously. Right. It's not, not everyone. But, they yeah, they service menus from a bunch of different restaurants. Oh, huh. Well, that makes life a little easier, I guess. Yeah. The average couple argues 156 times every year over food. Wow. Uh, we or, we argue about following a recipe uh, recipe incorrectly. We argue about uh, what to cook in general for dinner, what groceries to buy, what the grocery budget should be, who should cook dinner, this type of thing. Huh. Now, uh, if you're in a relationship... Uh, and we're for the most part... Are these part, really arguments? Or are we bickering about this kind of stuff? Oh, or is there bicker. a difference? Oh, yeah, I think there's bickering and there's arguing. Yeah, I think that's a, that's another level. Right. You know. I, I usually fold on most things. I just, when it comes to food, if I'm hungry and if Maria's like, ah, I feel like Thai, fine, I'm in for Thai. I, you know, I, I, I don't really. Now, do you fold, because you cook most of the meals in your house, do you fold on what you're cooking or do you cook whatever's coming to mind and they... They well, have to fold. I, I cook. I probably cook ninety nine percent of all meals in the house. And um, well, I've got a vegetarian, and I've got Maria trying to avoid carbs. So of course, the vegetarian loves carbs, right? She loves pastas right. and all of that. Yeah. Maria wants to stay away from that. I I bounce around. I tried like last night. I made a homemade hot and sour soup. It was really good. It was loaded with vegetables. It was very tasty. But I, what, does anyone come and say, "Well, I really don't feel like soup for dinner"? Well, if they did, then they'd have to find something for themselves. Gotcha. Like I I I decide what we're having, yeah. but I but I try to keep everybody's needs in mind. So I'll. Like with the soup, I, I got like a fresh loaf of bread and I cut it very thin. So if you wanted to throw pieces of the bread into the soup. Now, Maria would avoid that, but that's fine. And then Ariel or Daniel would do that. I would do that. You know, take a bunch of peanuts and throw them in. So I will try to be very aware of uh, of, of everybody's needs uh, and then cook around that. Now, there will be some nights where because we, um, you know, I try to mix it up. Like we had fish the other night and we'll have chicken the next night. I try to balance it out. So there will be some nights where I'll just make a big thing of roasted potatoes chicken some kind of vegetable it all goes on a bowl on the table and everybody just mounds into whatever they want mm. yeah yeah and i and i quite enjoy oh, i've said that many times i really do it's it's kind of the highlight of my day but um but uh, luckily we're not that picky i mean maria doesn't want the carbs she doesn't like mushrooms she doesn't like cilantro outside of that She's pretty much open, as is Daniel and Ariel. I mean, I know you guys are a little more picky. I, I, it would be really tough if, you know, we we all got really picky about stuff. Right. I mean, that, 
Or, or if if one of you, I would think in a marriage, if one of you was really picky and the other one wasn't, right? If you're both picky, then you're understanding of that. And it's not so much about that. I was just wondering because you know, Adrian will ask me in the morning, "What do you feel like for dinner oh, tonight?" Right, right. And I'll have, I, I don't know if I've ever answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> really, whatever. Throw it on a plate and I'll eat it. Right? I'm, I'm still so shocked because, okay, she's been at home now. It's different. She's been home for two years. But right. before that, she was here. I'm always, I think, either shocked or impressed with you that the hours we keep and the amount of time we have in the day, you somehow still couldn't pull it together to cook dinner. <laughs> she would come home and make it. That's pretty impressive. No, no, no. I would do it. When she was working uh, like at work yeah. in the office, I would be the one throwing the dinner together. You would make a vegetable, peel potatoes, make a salad. Yeah, well, yeah, for the most part, it's, <laughs> it's heating stuff up. Oh, okay, all right. all right. You guys do eat a lot of processed pre-done right. yeah, food. I would, I would have it ready to go. And that would be what, that would have been one of my pet peeves at the time, too, right? right? Because it's like, okay, you should, she should be home like 5.15. <laughs> you know, next like 5.30, is cranking around. Like, where the hell are you? <laughs> but you and I can get it from the other end, too, because I'm sure I'm the same sure. way. I'm out golfing. Yeah, I'll be home around 6. Yeah. And that turns into a 7.30 after a post-round pint. Yeah. She might be a little upset by that. Well, so yeah, you're not one that would go out and necessarily like buy like a fresh broccoli and roast it with garlic and that kind of thing. It would be a box of you broccoli. Can do that? And yes, you can. <laughs> Is that what that section's yeah. for? Yeah, no. There's a lot of stuff in there. It's it's really good. Wow. I put tofu in this soup last night. Do you oh even know where that is in goodness. the grocery store? Good protein. And I'm going to the doctor with the heart problems. What is going on with this story? Well, the uh, Super Bowl is 13th. That's the uh, Sunday, February 13th. And then Valentine's Day is the Monday, the 14th. So here's a good question. Assuming your favorite team made it to the Super Bowl, would you rather see them win it or get lucky on Valentine's Day? <laughs> has to be one or the other. You have to choose. Go, Lucky. Go. Uh, I got no uh, no skin in the game when it comes to this 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 Super Bowl. But you have to pick. assume. Let's say one of those teams That's was your my favorite favorite yes. team. I, I've never been that tied to it. If you're going Rams, you're gonna have, <laughs> or you're not getting Rams. There's no ramming. No. After the Rams, yeah, yeah. I I, I think I would take the sex. Mm. You? Oh yeah, without question. Oh yeah. Listen, I'll watch the halftime show. I'll have uh, try to get a leg over uh, in the first half, right? And then watch the uh, the halftime show, and that'll be it for me. I won't even make it till the end of the game. Almost half. This is interesting. Almost half of men and women, a few more men, of course, but most of them would rather see their team win the Super Bowl than get some loving on Valentine's wow. Day. Wow. I mean, listen, if you're a Bengals fan mm. and you've lived through the horror of being a Bengals fan for the last you know twenty thirty years. Then perhaps mm. <laughs> this this moment, that moment to shine, mm-hmm. would be enough for you. Yeah, listen, I, I, okay, I guess yeah, because uh, it's rare that it would happen. Whereas you can, I guess, get some loving on Tuesday if you miss it right. on Monday. Well, yes, and, and listen, there's, you know, Super Bowl comes around once a year. Mm. So does loving for some. (laughs) (laughs) That's our day. (laughs) Maybe the feeling will last more than a few seconds, though. (laughs) Most of fans say they would actually go much longer than that if necessary. Some, again, more men than women, but still some women do say this. They'd be willing to go six months without sex if it meant their team could win the title. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Really? Yeah. This poll also found 
found out that fans, true fans, I guess, plan to spend more on snacks and beer for the big game this year than they'll spend on their Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> that, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> so there Wings, you go. nachos, beers, pregame. Oh, yeah. Ladies, that dudes, adds up. if you uh, know your significant other is either a Bengals or a Rams fan, you're going solo come Monday. <laughs> Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.